everyone. It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a platform for both legendary and rising artists to tell their own personal stories on how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we talked with Mike of the band The Violent over Zoom video. Mike was born and raised in Akron, Ohio. We talked about that and how he got into music. Talked about LeBron James being from Akron, Ohio. Growing up, he said his mom would play piano on Saturdays, and he became very interested in the piano, eventually started playing guitar. And from basically eighth grade on, he was always in a band, some sort of cover band, original band. He ended up attending college at Kent State in Ohio, which is, he said, about 25 minutes from where he originally grew up. When he was back at his mom's house, he ran to grab some gas and ran into a guy that went to the same high school as a few years older than him. They decided to jam together, and they formed the band Red Sun Rising. He told us all about Red Sun Rising, how the band started, having two number one songs off the same record back-to-back, having huge support from radio, getting on massive tours, all the way up to the band's indefinite hiatus, and that's where the story of The Violent begins. The band has two other members of Red Sun Rising, and they went to Nashville to record their EP right before COVID hit. So the band went on hiatus, Red Sun Rising went on hiatus, they decide to start The Violent, they go down to Nashville to record what will become their first EP and the world shuts down. So now they have plenty of time to work on the songs from the violence. So they do that. He talks about the live stream they did and the most recent festival, their first official live show they performed as well. You can watch our interview with Mike on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at bringing it backwards. It would be so rad if you subscribe to our YouTube channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at bringing back pod. And if you're an Amazon shopper, a portion of your everyday purchases will help support our podcast with just a few clicks. It's super easy. Please head over to our website, bringingitbackwards.com, and click on Amazon each time you begin your purchases. Those few extra clicks will help keep our mission of providing a platform for both legendary and rising artists to tell their personal stories on how they achieve stardom so that all artists and music enthusiasts have access to meaningful and memorable advice that will help inspire their own musical journeys. To recap, please head over to bringingitbackwards.com and click on Amazon before you make each and every purchase because a portion of that purchase will add up in a big way to help support our mission. Thank you so much. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with the violent. I'm Adam, and this podcast is about you, your journey in music. We'll talk about, obviously, the new project you have. And I don't know if you know if you mind touching on Red Sun Rising, because I know it's a part of your story, but we won't hang yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, um, like I said, that's part of my journey, so it's all good. Okay, awesome. Well, why don't you tell me where, you, where were you born and raised? I was actually born and raised in Akron, Ohio. Okay. Uh, yeah, the, the LeBron rough, James. LeBron James. I was, I was definitely... I was definitely around. I was, I think I was like in eighth grade when he was a senior in high school. So I remember those days clearly. He, okay. he really that city up for sure. Oh, sure. Did you like, I'm curious. I have, I'm, my family's from Cleveland. So. Oh, I nice. Like LeBron. <laughs> or I did. He's, he, he won the championship. He came back and won the championship. So I can't hate he, him too much. He said he was going to do that's for sure. Exactly. Uh, I don't know. I'm curious to know if like when he was in high school, if, kids you got people probably knew in the town that he was going to be like a big deal and like we're like the high school games like oh i mean i remember when they, so to speak 
Yeah, they moved the um, – he, he played for St. V's, St. Vincent, St. Mary, mm-hmm. um, which is downtown Akron, and they had to move their games to Akron used like arena. So, Whoa. yeah, cause like ESPM started showing up and everything. And yeah, it was, it was real. It was, it got, it was pretty crazy. Did you ever go to those games at all or just yeah, I went at Akron? Yeah. That's cool. That is yeah. so cool. I knew well, my cousin's friend like knew cause he's a year younger than I am. Uh, so he, my cousin's friend, this is so off topic, but uh, my no, cousin's, <laughs> my cousin's friend went to high school with him and he got him a job. LeBron got him a job. Like when he got onto the Cavs as the guy that ran out on the court and like squeegeed it in between plays. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was so cool. <laughs> I got, I got to do that a couple of times. I used to be really into basketball. And when you were kids, that was like a, a cool thing you got to do like at the Cavs games or, or like the Akron U games. Yeah. I remember that the, the sweeper. Yeah, you get to run out with the squeegee and <laughs> squeegee the Are you in I'm in, Nash- I'm in Nashville now, but I'm originally, actually, I was born and raised in San Diego. My parents moved from Cleveland to San Diego, or Dayton, actually, Dayton, Ohio, to yeah. California when my mom was like eight months pregnant with me. So it was like this close to oh, wow. being raised in uh, Ohio. <laughs> my Your dad's dad? j- was- his job. Yeah, I escaped. I uh, didn't even know. But uh, yeah, so I was born and raised in San Diego. My family and I just moved to Nashville about seven months ago. We love it here. Well, that's awesome. It's a good move. Yeah, yeah, we dig it. So born and raised in Akron, Ohio. How did you get into music? So when I was younger, uh, it was always just around in my house. Uh, my mom had a piano. It was like an old, uh, I think it was a Steinway. Um, and, you know, every Saturday she would just sit down after she cleaned the house pretty much. like, And me and my sister would do our chores. She would do hers. And she would sit down and just play piano for like an hour. That was like her, her like reward every Saturday uh, to herself. Mm-hmm. And so I was always around it. And um, I was always like, you know, curious with the piano, tinkering around on it. And uh, then I fell in love with guitar because like one of my buddies had a guitar. and I was like, I just want to like play loud like he is. Mm-hmm. Know how to really play it. He was just like, dude, check this out. I can make all these noises. So when I was 11, my mom got me a guitar and I like fell in love with, you know, just trying to learn every guitar, you know, back in the day when you'd look up the tabs and all that and sure. had some lessons. And I, I was like, I loved Eric Clapton. That was like my first like guitar hero. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just, I met some buddies in school and we started a band and I was like, I feel like I was in a band from like eighth grade on at that point. I was just like always jamming with somebody playing some like local gigs or battle the band, stuff like that. So it was just, I just never kind of stopped. Mm-hmm. Were you, were, were your bands like cover bands or were you always writing original songs? <clears throat> we start, I started an original band. We would do some covers. Um, and then even Red Sun Rising, when Red, Red Sun Rising first started, um, we would do like, um, like Led Zeppelin and CCR, some classics and um, like Alice in Chains stuff like that. So, and then we could go play at the bars and like right. we would open for ourselves. Like we would play cover set and then we play an original set. That's kind of how we started. Oh, that's cool. Brilliant. Yeah. So you'd play two sets, one of all covers and one of all original songs. Yeah. And that's, that's the way that we got those bars to like agree to let us play. It's like, all right, we'll play you an hour and a half of covers, but we got to play 45 minutes set in the middle of our own stuff. That's cool. That is cool. And so how, when, or when did red, red sun rising start? Were you still in high school? So I had just gotten out of high school. I was uh, going to Kent State 
okay. university actually. Okay. And uh, so it was, it was right after that. I think it was like right at the tail end of my freshman year of college is kind of when Red Sun Rising started. Okay. And when you, you start with people that you're going to college with? No, it was actually a guy that went to Talmadge, but he was a, a year or almost four years ahead of me. So I didn't really know him that much in Talmadge. I just knew he went to Talmadge High School with me. Mm -hmm. uh, and we just kind of met through a mutual connection. Um, he was looking for a singer. I was looking to jam with some buddy, like nothing serious. I wasn't thinking like, I'm going to college now. You know, I was like, I'm not going to try to like do music. I want to focus on college. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we started playing gigs, you know, locally, uh, a lot at Kent state. That's kind of where Red Sun Rising kind of got their first push was at Red, you know, at Kent state playing, playing gigs. And it kind of cool. went, and I just like, I was so engulfed by like playing gigs. I didn't want to concentrate on school anymore. That was sure. Uh, that well, it's funny that cousin I told you about, whose friend was the guy buddies with LeBron who came out and squeezed the floor. She went to Kent State also. <laughs> it's a, a cool, school. super party school, right? Party school and a very like liberal arts. So it was it was a fun school to be at. That's cool. So you met this person at while attending Kent, or were you like home in Akron, or I was actually home um, just visiting my mom. I mean, Kent's not that far away from Talmadge. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was at a gas station that I would go in all the time to get gas. It's like right around the corner and it happened to be right around the corner where his parents lived. So we like ran into each other and I think he was like, Hey, you're Mike. Right. And, um, I was like, yeah. And we had a mutual friend. Like one of my friends was his, his older brother was friends with him and, uh, we just started talking. And so the, the joke was always like red sun rising started in a gas station, but, uh, okay. <laughs> kind of the way it happened. So we were just like, yeah, we should jam together sometime, blah, 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 blah. And it just kind of went from there. Okay. And you started playing shows. You said around Kent, did, did he live like, how close is that to where you grew up? Kent's so like, like 25 minutes away from Talmadge. Oh, so it's not horribly far. Like no. you could drive and practice and then play shows at the school. Exactly. And I live, I live pretty much on campus. So like our first shows, um, and Kent were like always packed. Cause I would just get like all my friends at college to be like, Hey, come down here. And we'd, we'd play this one club. It's actually the same club that Joe Walsh used to play at JB's. Whoa. And, um, we used to just pack it out. And this, this, the owner like loved us. Like you guys can play whenever you want. Cause I would just have all my buddies show up and they weren't even real fans. They just wanted to come and drink and party. Come you know hang I mean? out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's amazing. And then what was like kind of the first like from there, where did the band go? Like, what was the first so, victory that kind of took you to the next like, level? Kind of got grabbed that market, if you will, for lack of a better term, um, the Kent State. And we started like playing some shows over in, in downtown Akron. Mm -hmm. um, and then we, they had, uh, you know, every city has that like outdoor amphitheater that they bring in tribute bands every summer. And they do like, you know what I'm talking about? Did you ever have anything like that? Well, Akron was big on that. Okay every year they had these big tribute band amphitheaters and it was a kind of a built-in crowd. So we just kind of weaseled our way into opening for these tribute bands and there'd be like a built-in 5,000 to 10,000 people there. Yeah. We had, in San Diego, there were some pretty big cover band, but they would always be yeah. on the same bill with other like tribute bands. Yeah. So we like weaseled our way in there and be like, Hey, we're the biggest band around here. We're cut, we're, we're originals, but we'll open for the tribute bands. And that's how we did it. Oh, and we wow. like, 
literally built a following in Northeast Ohio, just like opening for tribute bands at these big amphitheaters. That's cool. I mean, what was it like playing those big stages? Oh, I mean, especially like right out of the gate, it was, yeah. you kind of got spoiled a little bit by it, but you know, then we'd go play a club and it was like, this feels more right. Mm -hmm. You know, we were like young and just wanted to be loud and we weren't, we weren't like super professional about anything. So, you know, the clubs felt more like home, but those had all the people. (laughs) Sure. Tell me about signing with the razor and tie. How, how, how far along down the line did that happen? So we actually met a management company in Cleveland that we caught, uh, we caught their eye. Cause we were, you know, again, opening for these bigger shows and which led us into opening some shows at the house of blues in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, they saw us and immediately started chopping us around. Um, they knew some guys at razor and tie. Uh, I, I wish I had the president of razor and tie to, tell this story because he tells it a phenomenal way he signed us he's like i'm flying into akron ohio which i've never been to to see this random band that i'm supposed to see and he did the president flew in with his we had dinner at this like little dive place right right by the venue and um you know it's raining it was like something out of a movie he's like "I, i show up it's like this grungy venue and i walk in and it's just packed and we had to put a, sh- a show together for them for a showcase. And we had like five days to do it. So, I mean, we're just texting everybody we can They're like, just show up, just be there. And it was, it was packed. And we played like four songs and they signed us that night. Whoa. Yeah. It was literally like a movie. That is crazy. That's crazy yeah. that they flew the president out to, to come check you guys out. I mean, obviously whoever was pioneering the band did a really good job of, you know, getting this person excited about coming. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So it was, it, it was a heck of an experience. That's amazing. And then, so you signed the, and then you have two number one songs off your first record. Right. Yeah. Right off the bat. Um, <laughs> That's incredible. And the funny thing is the first one, uh, the other side that went number one, that was kind of like a tastemaker. That was the labels pick. And they're like, just put it out. We'll see, you know, what kind of people, what kind of fans you guys that gravitate towards you. And we wanted emotionless to go out first. Cause that was like the song we were super proud of. We thought it had a stronger identity mm-hmm. and the labels like, well, this other side kind of has a reminiscent of Alice in Chains and I think people could connect to it. So we're like, all right, fine. We'll trust you. This is our first label deal. Right. It goes number and so we're like, all right, so now can we put out our song that we want to put out, which was emotionless. And that one goes number one. So like we were extremely grateful for how that panned out. Yeah. I mean, what, and when it goes number one, I mean, you're getting airplay on the radio and everything else I'd imagine. Right. Oh, for sure. And I remember we were on tour opening. I don't even remember who it was at the time. And I just remember each night more and more people knew the single and were singing it back and in towns we've never been to. This was like our first real tour. Um, and it was just like, I'll never forget that feeling. And it was just like unbelievable. And we couldn't wait to get to that song in the sex. We're like, yes, let's see how many people know it tonight. And we're mm-hmm. in, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma or whatever. Uh, so it was just pretty, it was pretty amazing. That is, it's, it's wild to think of like the power of, I mean, well, it's different now, but at the time, like radio and it's like, yeah. that's where I come from is radio. And 
Uh, oh, by your voice. The fact yeah. that if it's if it's song gets on the air, I mean, it's change. It changes the band. I mean, it's it's weird because now you think, like, I mean, I'd be on the radio, like, who the hell's listening to this? Like, but people people were mindlessly driving around, and then once it becomes a song that gets added into a, uh, onto a radio station, it's just it changes, you know, your oh, whole career. It did, and 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 you're right by saying like it's not so much anymore, and, and which is kind of sad, but. I feel like we were right at the tail end of when that started to change. Um, and, uh, you know, it really did wonders for us and got us, got us going. And we're, we're extremely grateful for all the, the radio people that have supported us over the years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, well, like you said, you, you'd show up to a different town and people would know that song probably solely from the, at that time, maybe the radio, right? Totally. Absolutely. That is, that's, that's amazing. And then you put out what, three, three records with Razor and Tie in that band? Uh, we, did, we did two full length and then um, a single and an EP. So not that much music, honestly, um, which is really crazy to think about for the amount of touring we did on those two records um, was astronomical. But yeah, we didn't put out that much music with Razor and Tie or in that, general. Yeah. I mean, with the, with, once you have the song on the air and you're, you're, you're doing like, were you getting pretty big opening slots on, on tours? They just got bigger and bigger. I mean, the first one, while the, the song was getting before it went number one, it was just our first song out. We mm -hmm. were, you know, first of three or four on the bill. And, you know, once that song went number one, and then we had the back-to-back -back number ones, like our time slot, like just get bigger. <laughs> sure. and we got higher on the poster on the festivals and it happened real fast. Um, it's like a totally a blur now when I think about it. Mm -hmm. Did you f get a chance to finish school at Kent State or did, you, did it happen too quickly and you guys just I, had to hit the road? Fast and I got about three years in um, and, you know, it, it became a full-time gig. I mean, mm -hmm. it just, it took, it, it took up my entire life. So, um, you know, I, hindsight, I wish I just would have finished. I was so close, but it's like, uh, I could have given up on the journey that I took, you know? Right. And it's, and college is something you can go back to. If you really care. Totally. Too, right? I mean, you're not going to lose your credits, which I'm actually surprised they still do. <laughs> they right. haven't taken that. Right. <laughs> oh, you, it's been three years. Sorry. You got to start over. <laughs> um, I was going to ask you like at this, were you, you must've been working what, like a part-time job or yeah. something while you're going to college. When did you I, have the freedom to quit? what you're doing uh, my mom's a um assistant to the president of a food distribution company oh cool and so she's like you want to work in the warehouse they have jobs in the warehouse i'm like all right so i was like a warehouse worker for a while um then i worked at guitar center selling guitars um, that was kind of the last job i had while i was going to school and right before i got signed um okay. That's when I had to quit. That was the last job I had to quit was Guitar Center because uh, we started touring. And I called my boss and I was like, I know I've been taking a lot of time off for touring, but they want me to tour for like the next three months. And he's like, yeah, he can't work here. <laughs> <laughs> but they're probably stoked for you, right? At least it's yeah, a different for, atmosphere than if you worked at some like accounting firm and they're, you're like, peace, I'm going to be able to join this. I'm in this rock band and we're going to tour the world. They would be sure. like, what? I still have some of my best friends that, you know, that I see from Akron that I, I worked with at that store and 
uh, they're always supportive. That's cool. That is really cool. So this band, the, the current band, the Violent, started during the lockdown, right? Yeah. So as Red Sun Rising was kind of coming to a, a halt in 2019, we did that final um, summer of festivals and, you know, me and Dave and Pat, who were also in Red Sun Rising and an hour in the violent, they, you know, we had always joked about doing a side project three piece and, you know, Red Sun Rising announced a hiatus and uh, long story short, like me and the guy that started the band just stopped agreeing on things and it was not worth trying to push through it. Um, it was just better to go separate ways. So we were like, this is the best time to do it now because this is done and uh, at least indefinitely. And then the pandemic happened. So we started working on songs and the pandemic happened and it became like fuel on the fire because it's like now there's no excuse to work, not to work on this. And we can devote a ton of time to it. And that's what we did. Oh, my mic was being weird there. Sorry. Um, oh, yeah, I don't know. I've never seen it do that. It just stopped working. Oh, um, it's quite the it's quite the zoom. Yeah. <laughs> um, so okay, so the, you you guys went on hiatus before the pandemic hit, and then when it happened, it was like, okay, well now we have a ton of time to really focus on this. That's exactly right, and uh, okay. so it was kind of and but it became like a blessing in disguise for sure. Sure, and do you write the record the? over the course of the last couple, uh, last year and a half and how do you work on it? Like, is it all virtually like talk, tell me about that yeah. experience. So like I have like a, um, a box account, like, or like a Dropbox. Yeah. Yeah. Box. Okay. That's kind of like where I've had always like put my song ideas. Like even if it's something I record on my cell phone, I put them in there and I label them. I'm, I'm actually pretty organized with my songwriting. And when that happened, I was like, I had all these songs that, could have maybe been Red Sun Rising songs. And then I have all these songs that probably wouldn't have worked for Red Sun Rising. And, um, and it was like a, a blank slate. So I just started showing the guys, like, do any of these songs, like, inspire you? Do any of these songs, like, something you want to work on? Um, mm -hmm. And so we, we narrowed it down to, like, five songs. And that's where we started. Like, let's just focus on these five songs. Um, this is before the pandemic. So we still had our manager from Red Sun Rising and he's like, let me find you a producer to work with. So we found Albert uh, De Fiore in Nashville. So we went to Nashville. This is like right before the pandemic happened, like January, before they did the lockdown. We did one session down there with him. And um, right after uh, the pandemic happened, we're like, we didn't finish these songs. Like, how are we going to do this? So mm -hmm. we had to all pretty much um, invest in like way better home recording situations. And we did that like all remotely, like through a shared cloud and like through pro tools. And I was singing, singing tracks in my closet to like dead in the sound. <laughs> wow. Like it was, it was challenging and it took a long time because it's not instant. It's like, right. you have to adapt completely to something totally new. Right. Exactly. And that's what we did like that whole year. It's like that whole year was like a black hole, just working on songs remotely. Were you in Nashville when the pandemic hit or had you already been home to? I had already been home regroup or something. I remember them talking about it on the news and just like everybody else. We're like, this is going to blow over. Like this is maybe a few months of this or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then it just going and going and going. And 
you know, I, I'm so thankful that we had the violent to work on because I probably would have gone insane if I didn't have that outlet or, you know, be able to just produce songs and, and start releasing stuff. I, I don't know what I would have done. Yeah. So you had a lot of time to, you had, you said there's five to- songs that you began with. Yeah. Are those so, the ones that made the EP? Yeah. We actually haven't even released them all. That's the funny part. Like we only have four songs out now. Uh huh. We, we ended up doing like three batches of five and the only one from that initial session that's been released is fly in the wall, which was the first song. Oh, really? So the other ones kind of got put on the back burner. Um, some of them didn't get finished completely. Some of them took the back seat to ones we thought were better. Mm-hmm. And we just kept doing batches of five. And then, you know, the beauty of releasing it the way we are is we're releasing one song at a time. So we didn't like commit to here's the first five. And we mm-hmm. were like, put this one out, see what it does. What would be a good follow-up to this? It was like playing chess and we've never really had that opportunity to kind of sit back and do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause uh, well, when you're an established band, right. People are kind of expecting a, a record. Totally. And it's, so is the late, they're like, all right, you need to put these out and start touring now. Oh, right, right, right. I didn't think yeah. about that. They're not going to be like, oh yeah, go ahead and release one song and hang out for yeah. a while. <laughs> so now like, being completely independent is you, do you feel like, like, tell me about that. How much different it, is it? It's a lot more work, okay. um, but it's like a labor of love. So you are everything. You're your marketing machine. You know, we do have a management, mm-hmm. but we do all the marketing. We have to build our own like social media assets. Like that stuff we would typically like pass off to the label. Um, you know, we got to set our own schedule of like, when do we want to release music? Um, and, you know, I kind of got addicted to that side of it too. Like the digital marketing side. Cause the, you know, after those first, those first two releases, three releases, we couldn't even play a show if we wanted to. Mm-hmm. So it was like, how do we connect with fans? Like, do we digitally stream? Do we continue to just put up digital marketing assets to connect with them? And so that was a total challenge, especially because no one knew us. But at the same time, it was like totally liberating because nobody knew us. We could do whatever we wanted. Right, right. And how did you tackle that? I mean, did you do live streams or just really push the, we, the song, you know, whatever song you put out, like Fly on the Wall, for example? Flying the wall, we sent to radio um, and just kind of piggybacked on on connections we had with Red Sun Rising, but we okay. told them hush um, as to who it was and like just don't tell them we're from Red Sun Rising. We're, we want to be our own band, and it worked in our favor because a conversation started. People were like guessing who it was, like who is this? Oh, it sounds familiar. It's got to be Mike from uh. Red Sun. Because like you know, as the vocalist. I can only change my voice so much. Right. You have a pretty so, distinct sound. So a lot of people recognized it immediately if they were Red Sun Rising fans, but a lot of people didn't know who it was. And, and it, be, it created this conversation through the social media, which actually really uh, became a brilliant marketing strategy that we didn't actually intend on happening. We just wanted to put it out there and see what happened. Wow. That's an, and did you, have you guys played a show yet? Yeah, we just played our first, show we did a we did a live stream for sirius xm um 
And then our first show in front of real people was Louder Than Life. Uh, it's a festival in Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Talk yeah, about a first show. Uh, it was. It was a heck of a first show. And um, yeah, it was just like, I'm still buzzing off of that. Just like, man, now I have the itch to go play again. Mm -hmm. When you did the live stream, what was that experience like? So that was interesting because we, like I said, we recorded all these songs or the majority of them remotely. Mm -hmm. so, you know, back with Red Sun Rising, it was like, all right, everybody get in a room and let's jam on this part and figure it out. Like we didn't have that luxury. Mm -hmm. So we were just sharing files. And that was the first time we got to play the songs actually together. Was during the live stream? Yeah. So like we, we did... <laughs> oh, wow. We did two days of rehearsal before that, but it was just like, yeah, we were like, we got to play these together for real now. We've only played them through the computer together. Um, so that was, that was a definitely, a, and you can, I think if you watch the, the live stream, you can see, um, you know, not that we're concentrating, but we weren't in that like no look pass mode yet. Like we were still right. like thinking about what we were playing. Uh, <laughs> we were. Sure. Well, so, I mean, you've been in a band with, with these guys in the violent for a number of years, right? With Red yeah. Sun Rising. Is it different playing on stage as the violent? Like, like, is there a different vibe? Like it's, it's definitely a different vibe than Red Sun Rising, but I think our personalities, the three of us are the most um, like minded. Mm -hmm. And I think that helps for the, just the overall um vibe of what the violent is so it's a little more it's a little more chilled a little more laid back than red sun rising was um and we kind of like that and it's mm -hmm. it's uh you know those guys we when, when we would tour as red sun rising it was always us three together oh, so okay. it was comfortable to be on stage with them um even in a different setting like and now with the other things eliminated it just feels like a tighter unit. So I, I think in a lot of ways, um, it's much, much healthier. Okay. Okay. And you've done that big festival. Do you have plans to obviously to tour as the violin and, and really support what you guys have put out so far? Yeah, I think we're going to try to get, uh, we only have the four songs out. We're going to try to get more music out, hopefully by the end of the year mm -hmm. uh, and then come out swinging in 2022 and put out some more music then. And, and then our goal is to really tour in 2022, at least put some more shows on the books um, and be a little more aggressive with that for sure. That's awesome. Well, I, I can't wait to hear the rest of what you guys are doing. I love the, the songs you have so far out. Which Thank are amazing. you. So, and uh, I appreciate you taking time to talk with me today, Mike. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. It's yeah. Great. I have one more question. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Um, there's a lot you can do yourself. Um, and it might seem like it's moving slower and it's a lot of work, but, uh, I would try to do as much as you humanly can before you get other people involved. <laughs> <laughs>